But sometimes, you know, the medicine doesn't go down sweet. All right, welcome folks. It is time for the Virtue Signal with my friend and colleague, Bill Whittle. And um, we're gonna talk about some stuff that, uh, well, since we're talking about virtues, I mean, this is the Virtue Signal. We, and, and the reason why we do the Virtue Signal is because we got a lot of people out there who have seen the co-opt, you know, what virtue is, and they get out there with the Virtue Signaling. So what we try to do is like, okay, if you're gonna um, express virtues, we gotta have a clear, you know, understanding of what virtue is. You can't just be mm -hmm. making up virtues as you go. It's not just a bumper sticker. That's right. That's right. It, there has, it has to be based on something solid, something, something clear. And uh, so for me, uh, virtue is, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's got to be fixed in something. So I want to examine, um, you know, the, the, the virtues that I'm, I'm fixed in, you know, that, that we would be going from. And, uh, and one of the reasons why people have problems with these virtues is because, you know, I'm drawing on this book that is supposedly, you know, uh, to, to some, it's, uh, it could be as much as a book of myths. It could be a, a book of fairy tales. It could be a, a book of morals, good morals and, and whatnot. Um, and I say, well, it's more than that. These, 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 um, virtues that are in there, uh, they're not just stories, they're actual accounts of things that happen. But when people read things like, uh, well, why am I supposed to believe a story like Jonah and the whale? How, how the crap did that even happen? You know, does it, and I'm supposed to draw some sort of virtue from that. I don't even see the moral lesson in it, let alone understand why I should think that it really happened. And if, if you're telling me that this is happening, then I'm saying that you're a liar and I don't see the virtue in that either. <laughs> so Bill, what do you think? Um, you know, cause a lot of people, they do struggle with these things, you know, and it, it makes it, um, it takes the credibility out of Bible to, to the real, fulfillment that people can have in life and also um, taking the, the wind out of the sail of the actual real world, world consequences of seeing it as a book of myths? That's a great question. Um, before I get to that, I would just say as a person who spent a significant part of his life as a fairly militant atheist, uh, you, you don't have to uh, believe in Christianity or, or Judaism, or anything. But what I have learned is, even if you don't, you live in a society that is constructed out of those out of that morality. That all of these freedoms and all of this freedom of expression, free, artistic freedom, the, strangely enough, the ability of an artist to do piss Christ, right, to, to take a, a crucifix and put it in a jar of urine and call that art, that is possible because of Christianity. Because the, the essence of Christianity seems to me to be that we're not going to force you to do anything. You will have an internal judge, you will have an internal conscience, and you'll have an internal coach. And you can either reference that or not, and if you don't, that's fine, you'll pay the price for it later. But strangely enough, even the most radical anti-Christian kind of statements are only capable in the society because of the fundamentally we talked about this last week, the fundamentally volitional nature of the religion, right? So with that said, if you're going to talk about the story of Jonah and the whale, and you mentioned just before we started, you want to do a series of these, I think it's a grand idea. You've got a spectrum. Some people believe that, that Jonah actually was swallowed by an actual whale. 
On the other end of the stream, you've got people who think the whole story is absolute malarkey and provably so. And then somewhere in the middle, you've got the idea of this being a metaphor for something larger. Now, I know a lot of Christians worry about this middle ground because they are concerned that people will apply things like the resurrection and so on metaphorically, and Christianity is not about that. But before I answer your question, do you, when you talk about the story of Jonah and the whale, do you see that as, as I know it's not a parable, but do you see it as a, as a moral lesson or do you see it as a historical fact? It's both. It's both. And it's, it's not a moral lesson necessarily in the way people would think it is. But in terms of uh, the historicity of it, yes, it's, it's something that definitely happened. Uh, Jesus is, when Jesus invokes somebody, when he calls on a name, or he's talking about somebody who actually, whether it's Jonah, whether it's Noah, if he called your name, that means that you were here. And those things happened. Um, and doesn't the translation, the original translation, not say a whale, but a big fish or a great, a great fish? More like it's, it's a, marine, a marine animal. Okay, right, so, so the it, biggest so, marine animal is a whale, but that doesn't necessarily mean it was a whale whale. Indeed, indeed. Now, okay. it's, now here's the thing, and I, I've seen people, you know, they, they question these things. Sometimes they do it as a terms of a, a ridicule, or sometimes people, people genuinely, genuinely want to know. It's like, how did God do that? Now, the question, or how, how does even something like that happen? Here's the thing. The question itself is not logical, because you're asking for a natural process to something that happens supernaturally. Right, okay, that, that doesn't make any sense. So, but here's the thing. One, it's God. You can't put limitations on what God can do. No, absolutely. Right? If God says, look, look, man, if this person got eaten by a whale and got caught back up, then that's what happened. I'm God. Okay, but here's the thing. It's not, I don't answer how it happened because I can't logically give a natural example for how something supernaturally happened. And that's it's, not important anyway, right. really, when you get right down to it. It's why. It's why it happened. Okay, when Jonah fell into the water, the word says that Jonah fell to the mountains of the deep. All right, Jonah was good and dead. He wasn't like kicking back in the belly of a whale saying, oh God, this really sucks. Okay, <laughs> he wasn't doing that. He was, he was crushed. All right, he imploded. So Jonah being in that fish and then being coughed back up again, Jesus invokes him saying, just like Jonah was in the belly of this fish, three days, three nights, so shall the son of man be. And here's the thing, you can't do the math to make that work, right? Right, no, exactly, exactly. You can't do the math to make that work. However, what Jesus was saying, and he already told you how this worked in Genesis, but just to make a long story short, yeah, where Jonah was, because Jesus, the word also calls nighttime darkness. It's darkness, right? Where Jonah was, it was definitely dark. Where Jesus was in the tomb, it was definitely dark for three full days. So it's like people try to do the math on that concerning like the Gregorian calendar and the Hebrew calendar. It's like, no, it doesn't work that way. Three days of three days darkness, is three days. Right. right? That's where he was. Now, why is this important? Jesus said, no sign will be, this adulterous, wicked generation always wants a sign. You guys want proof. You want proof that, Jesus like, prove to me that you want proof. How about that, all right? So Jesus is like, look, you wicked generation that demands a sign, no sign will be given to you except the sign of Jonah. All right, now that means a lot of things. It does. Be because here's the deal. Number one, 
Jesus is going to be resurrected just the way Jonah was brought back to Jonah. The word Jonah itself means dove. And when you dig deeper into it, Jonah is also uh, synony- uh, synonymous with the word wine. So you got dove and wine. So when Jesus wine, wine yes, wine is as in the as in the beverage. Right. Okay. So when Jesus shows up, let's folks know who he is. Yeah, man, I'm, the, I'm that bread and wine. This is my covenant. Okay. So when Jesus gets baptized, one of the signs that you're going to get is that the Holy Spirit is going to ascend on Jesus like a dove. Jesus like, hey, I told you to look for these signs, right? You heard the voice from my father in heaven. The Pharisees are standing right there. You hear the voice from my father. Here comes this dove, which is the Holy Spirit. There's your sign from Jonah. All right. And there's me. So when people say that there's no Trinity in the Bible, well, right there, you got a selfie of God, Jesus, and the dove is the Holy Spirit saying, well, here's your Trinity right here. The Pharisees are standing right there. That's why Jesus was silent when when he was getting examined. They're like, won't you speak up, man? What you got to say for yourself? Jesus like, man, you just heard from my daddy and the Holy Spirit. What other testimony do you need? Right? So you guys want to kill me anyway. You got your sign from Jonah. I told you who I am. So it's not about so much um, though how it happened. It's the why to get down to. Even when from the very beginning, when it says that the spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep, it's telling you that the, the word to break down for it is, is that he, he fluttered like a dove. Right. It's it's a fluttering. So when that dove came to light on Jesus, it's going to flutter before it lands. So all these things are indicative that's that's in there. It's it's looking for basically this. Like I keep saying, the Bible is about the Redeemer, Jesus himself. And that gets to the moral question. Do you think it's there's a moral lesson in it? The moral lesson is in recognizing who Jesus is. It's not about the moral lesson of, of Jonah and the whale. The moral lesson is is looking in the scripture and say, oh, snap, that was talking about Jesus the whole time. And when you realize that, Jesus, that carpenter guy, builds the morality in you because you see him. To know him is to love him. And if you love him, you won't cross him. You won't betray him. And if you won't betray him, you won't betray others because betraying others is to betray him. So that's the morality that starts to get built into us. Well, man, um, as always, it makes me look at things in a new way after listening to you talk about these things. You know, we when we when we think about uh, the story of Jonah and the whale, we do it from a modern perspective. And from a modern perspective, I mean, we know what whales are, we know what their biology is, and you know, and we, we endless hours of videos of people swimming with whales and so on. And conver- and, and, and sorry, not conversely, but along the same lines, the ocean no longer is the mystery that it used to be. We I've been scuba diving since I was seven. Mm. That had never happened before. We've mapped the bottom of the ocean to a fairly high degree of of certainty, and we know what it looks like down there. But in biblical times, the surface of the water was impenetrable. It was the underneath the water literally was the other side. And so, as you were talking, I thought it is. It is like it's the perfect metaphor, not only for death, but for the certainty of death. So you could say, okay, look, uh, Jonah fell into the water and he didn't come up. Wow, I guess he drowned. Maybe he didn't. But not only did he fall into water, but a big fish came up and swallowed him, took him back down. All right, so he didn't he didn't just swim to shore, you know, down the coast a bit. And 
And for somebody to fall beneath the surface of the water is for them to disappear. But for them to be, but for them to be taken, encapsulated, and then taken down is much more intimidating. And so the whale becomes a metaphor for the tomb, right? He's entombed in front of everybody's sight. Everybody can see it. The, the tomb comes, so, so the ocean is death. It's, it's the undiscovered country. It's, it's the other side of this boundary that no one can cross, at least not humans can cross. We all want to know what's on the other side, but nobody knows. They didn't know. It wasn't like today. So not only does a person go beneath the surface and disappear, not only do they die and, and go into the undiscovered country, as Shakespeare said, but just for added impact, the tomb comes out of death, grabs him, entombs him, and takes him down into the netherworld for three days, at which point the tomb arises again from the netherworld, from, from death itself, and spits him back out again. The, obviously, the three-day timing isn't a coincidence. So the story of Jonah is, is the story of not of resurrection, but of the ability to be resurrected. Mm-hmm. That, that no matter how you slice it, as you said, there is no way you're going to survive either three days underwater or three days inside the belly of a great fish or whatever it was. So, so I think what, what this has done for me, clarifying this biblical story for me is, it has hammered home to people in a way that's hard for us to understand. It's hard for modern men, largely, largely in, in part, to Jacques Cousteau, honestly. I grew up with the undersea world of Jacques Cousteau, and prior to that, nobody had seen what goes on beneath the surface of the ocean. Nobody. Nobody knew what it was, unless you one of the microscopic handful of people who'd been divers. So for, for essentially all of human history, again, that, that surface of the ocean has been the boundary between life and death, because if you go below that for more than a few moments, you're not coming back. And so I suppose what this, what this is designed to do is to show you that, that divine power can bring you back from not just death and not just drowning, but the, the, the most compelling evidence of death there is. The tomb arises from the netherworld, takes you, walks away with you, you're gone for three days, everybody's written you off, and then, miraculously, the tomb arises again, and, and you, you get out and you dust yourself off. That is a very, very powerful, very powerful message that is completely lost if all you see is a guy got swallowed by a fish and then it spit him out again. Indeed, man. And if, if, if I may, it's actually... Jonah sank to the mountains of the deep first before the fish. It's interesting. It's an interesting term, by the way. I, I, I didn't want to interrupt you, but but I was talking about, just as I was saying a minute ago, now with modern sonar and, and these other techniques we have, we know that there are mountain ranges in the deep. We know that underneath the surface of the ocean, hmm. there are, in fact, enormous mountain ranges and enormous valleys. They yes. didn't know that then. Where did that where did that expression come from? The mountains of the deep. Who who could possibly have envisioned that underneath the surface, which they had no idea how deep it was, they just know it was deep enough for me to not be able to reach the bottom if I start swimming down. They didn't know it was miles deep. They didn't know there were underwater peaks or canyons. Kind of reminds me of the whole let there be light kind of thing, which is essentially, essentially, that's what the Big Bang is. 
<laughs> yes, indeed. And, and, and the Lord has outlined, he's outlined, you know, such uh, uh, geographies and stuff like that, you know, underneath the ocean. And um, now, but nobody knew that, right? <laughs> there was no scientist advising the people that wrote the, the Old Testament on, on what undersea topography looked like. Indeed. So um, to say the mountains of the deep is, I think, a profound, just a, it's a profoundly poetic expression of what's really there. Yes. And, and, and well, even the sailors who were doing, they, they could do soundings. You know, they were able to drop, you know, a, 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 a weight in the water to make sure, most likely, I guess, deep enough to make sure that they're not going to, you know, run ashore, you yeah, know, too maybe, early. So. Maybe 50, 60 right. feet, but, the, but the, it's, the, the ocean's deepest part of the ocean is tens of thousands of feet deep. But it's one of those things where, like, it's like, yeah, God's like, yeah, I know that the mountains are dying. That's I what I meant. You. That's yeah. what I meant. It's, it's a strikingly, yeah. it's a strikingly accurate and, and also an extremely poetic term. Indeed, indeed. And the thing is, and, and it's, the Lord wants you to know that because it's to be clear that Jonah was good and dead. It's not one of those good things, and good and dead. Uh, because maybe, hey, maybe, you know, if a fish caught him early enough and he was just hanging out, maybe, I don't know. He, he, I mean, he's got a seafood dinner for three nights. <laughs> and, That's right. And the fish is just like, man, I got a bad case of heartburn. Let me go ahead no, and cough this joke He's up. gone he's, down. He's dead. It's, the, it's implicative of Jesus when he was crucified. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, this guy's good and dead. I mean, he's he's definitely he's he's not coming back from that. This guy's totally bled out, shock, you name it. And there's no way that he's going to sit there and try to bandage himself up in a tomb for three days. It just ain't going to work. Um, so and, and all, even all that goes back to even uh, the, the slaughtering of the animals. You're supposed to slaughter the animal and sprinkle its blood all around the altar. Why? So you know that that animal is good and dead. All right. So when Jesus is crucified, you know that he is dead and there's no he didn't die in a war. He didn't die, he, nothing that could be obscured or anything that could be manipulated or anything. Like that. He's put on public display naked and bloody. You know that that's him. No imposter or anything. They saw him die and then they saw him come back. So he didn't he didn't escape and then take a boat to Argentina no. and live out the rest of his life in disguise as a as a as a, you know, Banana farmer or something? Not, not, yeah, I don't think farming bananas was his thing. Uh, I don't think so either. <laughs> but all that to say, like I said, I, I, you, you have people who will ask, well, how did that happen? You can't explain how that happened, but I can give you a better idea as to why it happened. So and I'll, you just did. All right. And you just did. Thank you. Thank you. So I hope uh, that was, uh, you know, somewhat useful to anybody listening. And, and yes, as, as you said, Bill, as you reminded the audience, I'd like to touch on these things a little bit because, you know, the, I can understand why for the for a lot of people, the Bible is is difficult to follow along with. And if a knucklehead like me can get it, anybody can get it. What were you let me just add. Mm -hmm. Let me just add that. That even people who aren't religious should be able to get something useful out of this if 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 you look at. Well, in this particular case, if you look at the deeper issue, right? I mean, what our other show this week was about uh, learning how to control our anxiety and worry when, when things in the world are going on out of our control. This is essentially a story of whether you, you, you may think it's not only fiction, but bad fiction. <laughs> but if you do look at what actually happens in this bad fiction. And if you think it's bad fiction, it's bad fiction that says that the worst thing can happen to you. The worst thing can happen to you. And, and yet you can emerge from it. You can emerge from 
the depths of despair or whatever the case may be. This is the thing that I learned first was that was that to write the stuff off as 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 fantasy or fiction is to deprive yourself of a great deal of wisdom. That's just for the people out there who maybe not uh, deeply religious folks. I can dig it, man. And, and you know, the thing is, the, the key to it, at least for me, is to not approach it from a religious standpoint. I don't, like, as I, as I keep saying, I don't follow religion. I follow Jesus. Uh, there's nothing that I could do to satisfy religion. Nobody can. Uh, that's why the Lord did what he did. He is the original Freedom From Religion Foundation. That's who he is. And uh, if a person is going to lean on a religion to understand these things, it'll it'll definitely I think they're going to they're going to sell themselves short. And I know that's right. Limit themselves. Yeah, I I agree. Yeah. And I I know that steps on some toes, but that's what we try to do. Bill, we're trying, you know, sometimes, you know, the medicine doesn't go down sweet, you know, Uh, but fortunately for the word of God himself. Hey, man, my law is sweet. My law is like honey in your mouth. And, and, I, and I really believe that because when I study his word, it is sweet to me. It's straight. No chaser doesn't need anything else. And if uh, you believe in Jesus, he'll give you a Mercedes. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess that would be sweet. No, really. Right. That's a kind of that some people are sweetening the message that way, you know? Yeah, it, it, it doesn't need it. it. It doesn't need the sweetening. And um, so at any rate, I think, uh, you know, as, as Bill has reminded us, you know, it's, it's things that we'll touch on them because we understand that sometimes there's things in the Bible that, that people will struggle with. So I don't understand why I should believe this. I don't understand how this happened, but maybe we can get a, a, a clearer view on why it happened. So thank and you. And this so- is. And this is not a, while this is not a Bible study show, right. it is dedicated to understanding the foundations of the virtues that are built into our society by the Judeo-Christian religion. You can't talk about political freedom without understanding the religious uh, framework that the people who designed this country brought to the country. Can we just close on that? That was beautiful. Make that the closer. Roll credits. Roll credits.